what we've been doing for the past few, I guess we just started last week and we're going to do it all through December, is telling stories to remind us of what it means that Jesus enters our world and when Jesus enters our world, like John says in, in his first chapter of writing, that, that in him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. And, um, and what happens when Jesus connects with us in some way over and over again, what happens when God enters the world is that new life and new light emerges in areas of death and areas of darkness over and over and over again. And it's often really unexpected. <clears throat> and what we see is we see it even in the original scripture um, uh, of, of Jesus coming to earth through, and this isn't going to work, Tyler, because everything isn't working today, and which is fine. Uh, so you just roll with it. Um, and while we're talking about things not working, caveat, if any of you are people that have high anxiety and you're going to notice that these candles are going to get lower and lower and lower, rest assured that we're aware that we've purchased the quickest burning candles in history. The person who did that has been fired. Um, but we will pay attention and I promise a fire won't start. So don't let that distract you from enjoying the, the morning. Uh, go ahead and throw the, uh, throw the passage from, yeah, Matthew here. So, so interestingly... Just ignoring all of that. Interestingly, in, in the story, uh, one of the first, first glimpses that we have of what God is doing, right, is, is what is called the Immaculate Conception, not Reception. Um, that was a football play. But the Immaculate Conception, where, where the Holy Spirit comes and, and forms a baby in Mary's womb. And when it comes to pass that Mary finds out she's pregnant and acknowledges this, Joseph, who is engaged to her, has this moral dilemma. Joseph is a pretty solid guy. Um, he's pretty upright. He wants, to, he wants to take care of her. But obviously, you know, in his mind here, she's made choices. And, and so therefore, she does not want to be married to him or that wasn't a high value. And she's pregnant now. And so, so he doesn't want to shame her publicly. But, but he decides that he's going um, to break off their, their relationship in kind of a quiet way. Uh, but so, so immediately, we say, oh no, there's a problem in the story. Because Joseph has a lack of understanding. We don't know at this, in this story, we don't know what Mary has said or not. I, I'm guessing that he just didn't believe her. Because it's really hard to believe something like that. I'm, I, I doubt that Mary didn't say anything. Um, but Luke tells us a little bit more about the whole story. But here's the point. The point is that in Joseph's need, in his lack of ability to either believe or trust or hang in there, which we can understand is a hard situation, what ends up happening is an angel comes and appears in a dream and says, Joseph, don't be afraid to take her home as your wife because what, what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She's going to give birth to a son. You're going to give him the name Jesus because he will save people. He'll be a rescuer. Joshua. Yeshua. He's going to be a rescuer. All right? And so, so you're, don't worry. Hang in there. And Joseph wakes up and he decides to hang in there. Next slide. Go ahead. Um, so, so, um, this had taken place to fulfill a prophecy, but what I want you to see is that um, Joseph does wake up and he believes, and this unexpected moment leads to Joseph having enough of what he needs to keep going, and God provides in a unique and unexpected way. Okay, now we go on to the next story, which is in the book of, Matt, or book of Luke, um, and what ends up happening in this story, okay, is that, that we're getting Joseph coming into the town. You've all heard this. But what I want you to start to tune into is how God surprisingly meets needs in unexpected ways. And the second thing that happens uh, with, with this, with God meeting a need in an unexpected way, is something that we don't actually see 
in the text until we dig a little bit deeper. And so I talked about this last year briefly, but it's worth hitting again and again and again. Not so that I can mess up all of your nativity scenes, but so that we understand that there's actually a beautiful glimpse of a story here um, that, that is maybe not what we've all been led to believe. So, so what happens is Mary and Joseph, they're going through Bethlehem, and uh, you know while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth, gave birth to her firstborn a son. She wrapped him in clothes, you're familiar with this passage, and, and placed him in a manger because there was no room at the inn. Right, that's what this, the passage used to say. Um, now because of better scholarship, um, they've changed that. And so now even uh, the NIV has updated. There was no guest room available for them. The word that's used for inn is catalama, okay? And catalama is not a pay-to-play kind of a place, all right? It's not an inn. In, in the book of Luke later, uh, during the Good Samaritan story, when the, the Samaritan takes the injured guy to an inn, that's the word pantheon. It's a totally different word. Same word here that's used is also used later in Luke when Jesus tells his disciples to go and find a man and prepare, the upper, prepare for the Passover, and he will show you their guest room, their catalama. Same exact word. So here's why this matters, and here why, here's why this connects with God's radical provision in times of need. So the actual story is if we understand, is this going to work? Oh, good. It's not my markers, so I don't trust them. All right, so what we have in um, ancient Israel, the ancient Near East, is you would have a house, and it was set up kind of like this. It's not great, I understand. I'm blaming it on the marker. Um, Okay, so here's how you would have a Jewish house laid out. And the first entrance level would be at the ground, okay, and it would be dug out with a small, a small um, doorway. And this is where the animals would dwell and live, because you would bring the animals inside the house to both protect them from being stolen, but also to keep you warm. All right, we're talking about an ancient culture. So you enter the house, and, and what you get is you go through a doorway, and this is where all of the, the animals live during the daytime. And the, the floor is sloped just ever so slightly down so that when you're cleaning and dusting and, and wiping away the dirt, you wipe it on to the animal space, right? So, so everything kind of goes down here, and it's about hip high, all right? Now this level, this was the living room, all right? This is where the family did their cooking and their primary living and where they slept, okay? Now behind the living room was either sometimes on a second floor, actually, but sometimes just up another couple of steps, was a room back here that was called the guest room, okay, or the catalama, all right? And this is where when travelers would be passing through or when there would be special dinners and parties, this is where it would happen, in the guest room, okay? So the story that we get, listen carefully, and then we're going to move on, is that Jesus, in Mary's womb, comes with Mary and Joseph, and they are looking for a place. It doesn't all happen on the same night, it actually, the, the literal words are, um, when the days came to pass for the baby to be born, okay? So this is not like pregnant that night, knocking on doors. Like, we have to think, this is an ancient culture that have an incredibly high view of hospitality. A pregnant woman would be the most important person on, in the town square that night. We just have to understand this. And so, so what we get in our minds is that Jesus is born into absolute isolation. But what actually happens and I didn't tell you this, is that when the animals are in the lower area, what would happen right here on this step is that a manger would either be dug out or placed full of hay so the cows could just lean right over while they're standing up and eat right out of the the manger, okay? So it's right here. In which room? 
The living room, right, okay. So, so all of that to say that what ends up happening almost certainly is that Mary and Joseph are passing through the city of David. Joseph is in the lineage of David. He is local royalty. That matters. If someone who is in the lineage of David is passing through, lots of people would open their house for him. But there are so many people that nobody, does, nobody has a guest room open. And so what ends up happening is in the midst of no guest room being available, almost certainly, and this really isn't debated by scholars anymore, Almost certainly, Jesus is actually invited into the main, Mary and Joseph are invited into the main living space of somebody's house. Essentially sharing a bedroom <laughs> with the house owners, um, living right here, right? And they laid him in the manger, and it was humble, and yes, it was a little dirty, and all of that stuff, that all stays. But here's the difference. The difference is that in Mary and Joseph's time of need, God actually provides in a radical way, almost certainly through radical hospitality, not isolation. And God meets, and and it's a metaphor for the world because every single time that God meets our needs, he often does it in powerful ways through the people around us. You know, I'm just going to leave it there. Come on up, John and Debbie, because I was going to tell more stories about this beginning, but it's not as important. Because Jesus enters into our world in surprising ways to remind us of his faithfulness and to often surround us with people that reveal that. So I want you to listen to a story that we're going to tell here from... Our friends, John and Debbie Taylor, and, uh, and what we're going to do is uh, I'm going to just invite them to share a little bit about, about what they've experienced about five years ago, and, uh, and when we do that, I want you to keep your ears open for surprising ways that God comes and offers provision, unexpected ways of God meeting us and meeting our needs, okay? Because uh, when we begin to think like that, the world opens up in, in some new ways. So thank, thank you to, uh, to both of you for being willing to, uh, to chat here. And, uh, and let's see. You just need to slip your little um, bars up. There we go. So, so we are, uh, we're just going to talk a little bit and dive right into some of the things that happened in your life. John, why don't you set us up for what happened, what was going on. It, it involves your house. Uh, but what was happening, you know, leading up to 2015? Tell us a little bit about the story. So I'll give you a little background um, on this story of God's faithfulness in our life. And I'm just going to open just with a verse of, in Lamentations. One of my favorite verses is, Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassion never fails. His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And, and great is your faithfulness um, is Debbie's my favorite hymn. So if we had to sing a hymn, that's our favorite one. We were high school sweethearts. Um, we were married very young. She was 19, almost 20. Um, and we always prayed and discussed of the area we want to, or the type of environment we want to raise our children. We were just never talked really about the house as much as uh, we wanted a little bit of land and a stream um, and just near the woods. And so, um, you know, we tried to commit our ways to the Lord and we tried to um, delight ourselves in the Lord. He'd give you the desires of our heart and our heart was desires were that. Well, we moved seven times. Uh, a lot of times we're in Baltimore City, different places. And for 14 years, we moved different places, uh, but always praying that we might have a little spot we could raise our children. And then we were supposed to build a house in, in a little town called Zion, Maryland. Nice name, Zion. Um, and that door closed. The day it closed, um, another phone call we received, and um, someone offered us a property on their property, and they called their property uh, Goshen. So we kept the name Goshen. And uh, Goshen 
Uh, just a quick reminder on what that is when Joseph's brothers came uh, to visit him, and they were very nervous when they visited him. <clears throat> um, he said, go get your father and bring him to the best of all the land, the land of Goshen. So we knew it was our little spot in the woods. We didn't have a home or anything. We built this home, and we raised our children there. We knew it was God's place, and we were just um, had Bible studies there. We had youth retreat, retreats there, and people over. I mentored young men. And then in 2015, um, we had soccer camps and yeah. things like that. In 2015, we were all excited about this year because Bethany was getting married to Michael, and our focus was on this wedding that was to come. And I walked in the house this one evening, and as I walked in, I said, finally, the yard's all ready. It's perfect. All I have to do is maintain it. And Michael said, I have, to, I have to go because I have my final exam. I'm in, at Drexel tonight, so I have to go. Michael runs out. Bethany's showing me we her. burgers, and we all kind of got together that night. Okay, we were all, all, together, that, <laughs> all together that night. And, and um, he goes outside, and Bethany's showing me her wedding trousseau and her gift favors. And Michael comes running back in the house and said, we have a roof fire. The house is burning. So, you know, we think it's just a little thing. We'll get it put out. Michael and I run up in the attic, waste the um, fire extinguishers, call the fire department, and it, it keeps burning and keeps burning. And so 42 days before Bethany's wedding, uh, we have almost a total loss of our home, which we had um, been provided by God all that time. And at that time, uh, I was a little bit numb, and um, Debbie had really the first spiritual reflex of this, and I'm going to let her take it from there. Yeah, yeah so just tell us a little <laughs> bit about the emotional experience of, uh, I mean, we, you told me that multiple times, it was like, this is not a big deal. This is going to, it's going to be put out right away, and how long, how long did it take the fire department to get there? So it was, you know, the fire department's three miles away. I knew a lot of the firemen. I knew they knew what house it was, and it took them 45 minutes to get yeah. to our house. It and was before, a... <laughs> when we had a little smoke alarm off, they came, and they were there in 15 minutes with axes to try to bust down the front door. So it was kind of, it, we were kind of like, where is, where are the, where's the fire department? And, and you mentioned that because it was a, a weekend night and it was a volunteer or it was a volunteer, yeah. or so, so they, was, they had to actually get enough people to get to the yes. fire station to be able to take the So it was a Sunday night, a volunteer fire company, and, and when it's a volunteer fire company, um, they all work. They don't, it's not full-time employment, so they're all asleep in bed, and uh, they have to have enough people there before the truck can leave, and so they were just yeah. waiting for enough people to make it to the fire station so they would come. It seemed like a long, long time. Mm -hmm. it was, we felt very helpless at that time, mm -hmm. uh, very, you know, what, what do we do? Yeah, so, well, Debbie, yeah, go ahead and tell us a little bit about your response. Column of, a column of fire coming out at the back of the house, and mm -hmm. Michael comes and he puts his hands on his sh my shoulders, and he says, Marmy, he said, now what do you want me to get out of the house for you? Like, what... You, where are the photographs? Where's your special things? And I looked. Now I said, "Now, Michael, just calm down, because they're going to have this fire out in 20 minutes. Yeah, we're not going to move anything from the house." And, you're, and I'm thinking he's going in shock or something, because <laughs> you know. But he actually was the hero. I, I wish he was in here, because if he weren't, he was going to spend the night. Because Beth and I had just got back from a mother-daughter trip, and we had just spent the whole day together, kind of like John said, doing the trails and just having a fun reunion. And he was going to spend the night, but then he started thinking about that final exam and thought he better go home. So if he had not gone out to the car, because there was no smell, 
There was no smoke. There was nothing to let us know there was a fire up in our attic. And so it was pretty, God's providence just in that is just amazing. Um, so take us through then, so, um, as, as kind of things got worse and worse, and you became aware that this was not going to be a small thing, that, this, that your house was essentially getting ripped, ripped apart, mm-hmm. um, what was your response and, and, yeah, what was going on inside of you? Um, so John was at the end of the lane trying to direct the fire companies down. We have a very tiny lane, and it's very difficult for all the trucks to get down. So they could. So we were waiting. John was away from me. I didn't know where he was. He was. I, I learned that, he, and I kind of figured, but he was directing all the fire companies down. My brother at that point had come in. Michael and Bethany were there, um, and we were watching the fire. And my brother said, "You know, this is going to be fine." Debbie, we're going to get this out. It's going to be a mess, but we'll get this taken care of. I'm like, the wedding, (laughs) the wedding. And he said, don't worry, no worry. Well, then it just kept getting bigger and bigger and seven fire companies and five and a half hours of trying to put out our fire. And um, my brother said, now, you know, he gave me a hug and he said, I think we should just try to prepare for the worst. (laughs) But, you know, nobody was hurt. You know, even in that, it was just like thinking about what could have happened. We were, you know, just that feeling like God's protection over us. So I had, once my brother, once I realized the house was going to really burn down, um, I um, went around, we have a back pavilion behind our house, and I, it was starting to rain, and the um, ambulance crew had wrapped me up in a blanket, and I had gone and sat on the back of the pavilion, which gave me a really bird's eye view of this inferno. I mean, the whole thing, it was, um, you know, it was just amazing flames. And so I'm like, Lord, you gave us Goshen in 1993. You had this plan for us before we even knew it. And I was sitting there having a conversation with the Lord about, you know, you're on this, you know this, you even know Bethany's and Michael's weddings in like 42 days. Like the house is burning up. And, but I know, you know what's going on here. Okay, all right. I'm not, so, you know, when you have these conversations with the Lord and you're, you're trying to, you know, figure it out, but you really can't figure it out because we're mm-hmm. always trying to figure it out, yeah. but we can't. And, and I knew that too. I mean, you know, I've lived a long time and walked with the Lord and I know he does some crazy things and, you know, and there's just sometimes not an explanation for them, but he's faithful. And so I knew he was faithful. I knew he was there. And I'm looking at the fire and I'm like, okay, Lord, I know you're here. You're on this. The weddings in 42 days, our house is burning. What, what do you want us to do? What, what do you want me to do? And literally I said that. And it could have been an audible voice. It wasn't, but answered me, the Holy Spirit just said back, display my character. Now that sounds so lofty, <laughs> and but I'm not kidding you, that is the words that came to me from the Lord, display my character. And I went, okay, show me how. Okay, tell us what to do. And it was an amazing journey of just walking in faith in displaying God's character. And like I said, it sounds so lofty, 
But when you think of the word, and it, it just kind of, you know how when the Lord gives you something, and you don't get all of it at the beginning, but then it just opens up. It just continues to open up. And how it opened up for us is the next day, well, the house all burned, um, not all of it, I'm sorry, the first floor, and about five years, when we built our home, we couldn't afford to build the whole thing, so we only, we built a main part, and then we built another part five years later. So that fire had just started licking the roof of the other part, but they got it out in time. And in a long story short, uh, my brother uh, had worked with a fire marshal, and we, he connected us all that we could stay in this part over here. We didn't have to leave our home. So anyway, so um, we still have the first floor. The, it was raining. The, the yeah, ceilings had caved in. You mentioned in. that when you came in through the front door, you could yeah, look up and see all, the sky. It was all sky when you came in. <laughs> we walked in the door. The, basically, the whole attic, the, it was gone. Everything in the attic was gone. The first floor um, was basically um, just like over knee deep of just stuff and all the wires. It looked like it was crazy. I mean, if you've ever, I've never really been a part of a fire. So it was just, and the smell and the damp and the ash and the black and everything. And you go in. And so, but even that night in the fire, I have to say this, I was looking at everything and it was coming to an end. And the firemen started kind of, um, they were more out of the house and they were in. And this Fireman came and put a big bear hug on on the back of me, and he said, "Hi, Miss Debbie. Hi, Miss Debbie. It's Joshua." And anyway, it was Josh Williams from our old youth group. We were youth directors for a long time, and he came up and he was like one of the head firemen. And he said, "Miss Debbie, what do you want me to get out of here? What do you, what can I save? What can we get out? Because by the morning, most of the roof, most of the ceilings will be down." And so if you have anything you want us to get out, we're going to get a group. They're not supposed to do this. But they went in, and they started taking some of our family heirlooms that we had from our family. And then, so then we, we go, go, go to my mom's, and uh, John, we get, we, we're there for a little bit, but John only has a half hour because he has to be back to check with the fire marshal for sparks. So, um, and, and Bethany and Michael, we were all just kind of hunkered down by eight, and, and our fire insurance man, I mean, not fire insurance, our insurance man, who is our neighbor and a good friend, uh, came and stayed with us the whole time, and he was a great comfort to John, um, just assuring him that he would stick with us and help us to take care of everything. So, yeah. so let me toss it over to you, John, for just a minute. Um, Thanks. And, uh, and so as... As you hear this word of display my character, Debbie, and this, that, the challenge, which is a surprising word in some ways, because <laughs> what you really want to hear is like, it's going to be fine. <laughs> and instead, exactly. instead, it's, I'm inviting you to, here, here's an opportunity, you know, a dark, here's a dark moment in life, but, yeah. but I'm inviting you to display my character. Exactly. And, and you guys took that commitment really, really seriously mm -hmm. with the cleanup crew and with, with the whole process. So mm -hmm. tell me that next morning, John, um, what you guys did as you began this process of cleanup with, with the house being kind of a wreck. Well, even, even that evening, you know, you, you don't think it's going to happen. It doesn't seem real. Um, and so all I had on were my pajamas and everything else, there was nothing else to wear. Um, that's all I had on. So even when I went over the next day to meet with the fire chief, 
I was in my pajamas still because that's all I had. And so on the very next morning, um, and, and Debbie and I have, have made, we, we really tried to be generous to individuals and, and through, through the years, but we saw this amazing mm. outpouring of so, so many people who gave to us. We had nothing, socks, underwear, clothes, the next food. day, food. I mean, people that we didn't hardly know and people that we did know through the years, just an outpouring that just overwhelmed us more than we could imagine, um, uh, starting with the next day. Um, so, I mean, they were breaking out doors and windows with axes and one of my workers who I knew as a worker, she was picking up fragments of, of glass just like shattered windshield glass off the ground. And it was like, it, it just blew me away to see the outpouring of our community to us immediately. Mm -hmm. And for the next 42 days, um, at least 30 people were at our house every single day, cleaning up, getting ready for Bethany's wedding. How did that change you, the two of you, and your faith to be on that end? Because we, we talked about this a little bit. I think sometimes... Um, when we when we seek to give of our time and energy and care for other people, uh, it can almost make it difficult. Like we love doing that. That's mm -hmm. following Jesus, right? Being yeah. generous and, yeah. and 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 then all of a sudden it comes time where the tables are turned and we need to receive, and that can often be very difficult. Yeah, I mean, I think it 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 was it it was um, kind of humbling to mm -hmm. to to all of a sudden see all these people and uh, wanting to help and just, I mean, and, and being, like sacrificing their time because you know it's, they're busy and they're, they're about their daily work and they're there. And then it wasn't, and it was just, it, it wasn't only the body of, of believers, but it was people, the workers that were sent by the insurance company, people that we had never even met before were just, it was like we always knew them. It's like they, it was, it was the most amazing thing how people just came and, and, uh, and what, what was really, I, I want to back up just a second, but that morning or that, I think it was a following, but it wasn't very long, you know, display my character. God comes to us through his word. And mm -hmm. so it, the, you know, remember when I asked the question, how? Well, God, sure enough, came with the answer, and he gave us Isaiah 61. We have always loved this passage, and I want to read it this morning. Isaiah 61, just a portion. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to freedom to the prisoners. Now, this is the Lord's, you know, his message when he comes, okay? To proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of the spirit of fainting, and they shall be called the oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. This was a scripture the Lord gave us, and this, through this word, we were sustained, and through this word, we were able to receive with 
It was, it was so, I don't know how to explain. We, it was we the took, reminder of beauty from ashes, Exactly. Right? I, we I took, we took this, we took this scripture and I wrote it in big, gigantic Sharpie all around our doorway of our little, of the place where we were going to be living. And it was all around the door. And so every worker, this, every worker that's coming through, every family member, every neighbor that's coming through is seeing, seeing a statement of God's beauty from yes, ashes across, yes. across the doorway. Yes, everybody um, you know, knew it. These, these poor folks, these, these poor people that had their house just burned down, mm -hmm. we walk through the doorway and we see a passage that says that God brings, sorry, it's, yeah. it's moving to me, that God brings beauty from ashes proclaimed in the midst of this. Yeah. And, uh, and you saw the impact on some of the workers in the midst of this whole process. Mm -hmm. We can't talk about all those stories, mm -hmm. but just, uh, John, just give me a couple of, of quick things that we... Well, we real quick, when, we, we, when our children arrived the next day from Colorado and California, got on a plane and came... Um, First thing we did was pray in our garden. Um, a result of that, one of the ladies who was packing up the dishes for the wedding um, decided to renew her vows, to renew her, her vows in her marriage and commit herself to Christ. <laughs> and, you know, you're not thinking of that. We're just praying, Lord, give us direction. Show mm -hmm. us how to display your character. Mm -hmm. But we had numerous people um, give their lives to God and follow mm -hmm. because of this. And it wasn't what we were thinking about. We were just, Lord, give us strength. And it wasn't like it was all easy by any means. I, that, that year, shortly after that, um, my partner retired, which doubled my work. Uh, I had five surgeries. I lost the hearing in my left ear. Debbie developed a stuttering problem. Um, we had lots of stresses and things. That yeah, happened. and these are all stress, all yeah, stress, all stress related. related. After yeah. this, we had a, a beautiful wedding, magnificent. Wedding. We had wedding Wednesdays <laughs> that came out of it, and on wedding Wednesdays, all my friends would make soup, and one would make a dessert, and we'd meet in the broken down house in the little tiny laundry room, and we'd get ready for the wedding on we the wedding, and it was the most. It, the wedding was better than ever. Now, the wedding to, was a love feast. If you don't know Debbie you have to understand that 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 the preparing for her daughter's for her only daughter's wedding yes. on their property was a far bigger deal than losing the entire house it totally was all I could um, think about was the and that's wedding. that's a serious <laughs> statement because because of who she is and how she's wired and so so um can we talk about like we're I know we're jumping around but we're gonna have to can we just talk about the wedding a little bit because um part of part of the story of God of, of God meeting our needs in unexpected ways is is about how we embrace these these things. And I, I heard just talk about a little bit of the pre wedding music. Well, do you know about uh, the pre wedding? Well, yeah. While I mean, everybody I mean, was coming, well, tell them the, about the, the big thing is, is we were only supposed to have two hundred people come to the wedding, but one of the, our our sacred areas is our kitchen table where we, we talk with lots of people in depth around the kitchen table till wee hours of the night, and we love having people around our table. And so when we had a fire and Bethany sent out our invitations, um, everybody, almost every single person she invited came. I mean, from New Zealand, from, I mean, from all over the place. They came because they wanted to see the home. They wanted to be a part of this wedding. It was way more than our caterer could could provide for she rose to the occasion man she just she just <laughs> fixed up the, the the we cleaned up the messy house and we created a space for in their tent and she just everybody everybody just w arose to the occasion to make this 
wedding, what, what Bethany really and Michael, Bethany especially, and myself had dreamed of since she was like, I don't know, maybe 10? <laughs> I mean, yeah. a long time. Yeah. And, um, and then the pre-wedding fire was, come on, baby, let my fire. <laughs> and um, great balls of fire. And all fire, that fire theme music. So we throughout. had all kinds of fire music uh, before. And people were like, what are you doing? What, what, don't forget about the fire. I mean, we had this house that was burned and a, and a big tarp and boards all up. And, and our insurance company was so good, they let us put everything on hold until after the wedding, so July, after July 4th, we got to pick up and figure out what we were going to do with the house. So between the fire and the wedding, all we had to really do was focus on the wedding. Yeah. And they even, we had so much glass all back where we were going to have the wedding, we were like, what are we going to do? And people were picking it up, and our, and our insurance, Mr. Mr. Fred Stokes said, Mrs. Taylor, he said, now, I just wish there was something more I could do for you. And I said, well, what are we going to do about this? Like, we, this is where we're having the wedding. He goes, well, he said, I just think we should have this whole thing resotted. Yeah. <laughs> so and it's so just God's surprising provision. But, but part of that is when we, when we live as people of genuine love to the world around us, we give a glimpse at how life can be in the kingdom. A life that, that shares what we have and, and receives graciously and gives when we can. And that that's a better way to live. That's truly, genuinely a better way to live. Like the kingdom of God, one of the brilliant things about Jesus is that the kingdom works on a practical level <laughs> as well as on a supernatural level of setting us free. The way Jesus laid out, I am convinced at the core of my being that the way Jesus taught us to live, forgiveness, generosity, selfless love, other, other orientation that actually is simply the best way to be mm-hmm. a human. Yeah. Jesus, Jesus revealed the best way to be human, not just the best way to be godly, <laughs> you know? And so, so when you do that and, and we have moments where we're in need, if we have, as faithfully as we can, set an example of a way of life, we often find that people are eager to respond in kind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it's beautiful. display my character, display is putting, putting out your best, putting out the finest. God wanted us to put out the finest thing for his glory, for, for the story, for the work. You know, John and I have always, we did, um, well, we did Purpose Driven Life. We did Hangley Bacchabee, Experiencing, Experiencing God, Discipleship. All these things, all through the years of memorizing scripture mm. and, and, and getting the word, like thy word I've hid in my heart that I might not sin against these. You know, taking his word, taking his word and, and putting it in. And, you know, it's like, it's like that was the, fi- I thought of church, <laughs> Churchill, that's the finest, displaying him, display yeah. his character, the finest out there so he could do his his work, and not just about us, not about Bethany and Michael, but about every, of that story of that, what that fire was about. And just one other thing here. I mean, Bethany, as soon as I fill up a journal, Bethany always gives me a new journal, and she writes verses in it, and she always inscribes in it. And one of the reasons she does that is when they were in school, um, I prayed that the Lord would answer prayers for my children, mm-hmm. prayers that would be undeniably from God only. Mm-hmm. And so before all this happened, I have about 10 journals 
with over a thousand specific prayer requests answered that only mm -hmm. God could do, mm -hmm. she knows I'm going to keep giving, you know, dad this journal because he's going to pray for us all the time. Mm -hmm. All those mm -hmm. little faithful things that he's done that blow me away, mm -hmm. which often our minds are robbed of, of the little things that the, even the seasons of the year, right. how they are come one to the next. Even the sun rising each day is a miracle. Mm -hmm. We see this faithfulness of God over and over and over. We can hang our hats on these journals yeah. or these prayers that we've put forth, all these small things. So when these big traumas that come, which they come, yeah. and they come and they are overwhelming, mm -hmm. Debbie responded, I mean, I was numb. I was trying, I was in the action. I was numb. Didn't even realize I didn't have any clothes or anything. But, you know, as a, as a couple, we were able to respond and we were able to work through this and pray about it. Uh, she had to bring me along a little bit because I just wasn't there yet. Uh, but as a couple, we were able to do that. And, you know, to have those little things that you see God and you know God did it, hold on to those things because they just strengthen your faith. And, but, but there's, a, there's a, a, an attitude of looking at the world in such a way. You, you could have looked at the world in such a way that what God's purposes and plans are is for always for us to be like happy and have all that we want, right? And therefore, this happens, and where is God's faithfulness right now? Okay. Instead of saying, we, we have this, this, this base conviction, because we've seen it over and over again, that God's faithful. And so we trust, right? We talked about this just a little bit last week, too, mm -hmm. that, that while God doesn't bring hardship our way in a way that, like, God is the author of evil, right. God works within everything, that nothing is beyond God's redemptive power. And so we look at this and we say, okay, God, you are faithful. We just want to listen and be able to display that. And all of a sudden, that, that, that's a very different view, even when you think about answering prayers, right? Like mm -hmm. that we trust and, and, and learn how to have eyes that see this mm -hmm. and, and proclaim the goodness of it mm -hmm. rather than having it figured out on our side what, mm -hmm. what it's all going to look like, what the journey of faithfulness looks like exactly, and that mm -hmm. it means I'm going to be happy and healthy and, and wealthy and all these things. And that's just not the promise. No, no. The promise is the presence, right? right? The promise is that God will never leave us. That's the promise right. is that God will use us in every single way. And we get to be a part of a story. And we get to be a part and of, yeah. So, oaks of righteousness. Yeah, so to see that, to see, to see a, a story unfolding and saying, hey, this is, wow, what a story this is going to be. What a story it's, it's going to be. It's amazing, too, because like when, when you said practical, and this morning you said, I can't remember the context, but God gives us and it's enough. And that's what it was. His word, this, this scripture, it didn't come to us that morning when I walked, oh, wow, oh, yes, oh, right, oh, yes. It was an unfolding of this word. Like he does in our hearts. He, 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 he surprises us. Like C.S. Lewis, surprised with joy. He surprises us with bringing his word to life. And that's what it was. It was enough each day. And in this practical ways, I love to, I love to bake for people and feed them. Yeah. The Lord told me. I had all these men. I had men at 5.30 every morning. Men coming to my house with their hammers and their stuff. And I'm like, oh, okay, this my space is invaded with men. And Bethany, and by the way, Bethany, we had to put two double beds up in the little room. So we slept in a bed. And you know what? The first night I laid in that bed and I had so welled up, not the first night, second night, first night I laid in it. And I'm like, here we are, Lord, back at the beginning. It was the bed that John and I got when we were married. 
and we were back in that first bed. It's powerful, guys. And you know, and here, and and here, and so you know, this is coming alive. And and these men are coming at 5:30 in the morning from over on the other side of Washington D.C. and this and that and the other. So every morning, I set up a little coffee place. And Bethany helped me. We set up a little coffee urn. We baked cookies for them and cakes. And every day. I think we had something every day. Yeah, you said and every a, single day there was fresh baked yes, stuff and, for um, the workers. And every they just, day my mom taught me the way to a man's heart is through the tummy. Of course, there's other ways, but I like this, you know, the, this, you know, start with the tummy. I don't know. It's okay. It's knew, all about I, it. I knew intimacy. you'd throw something out you at know. some point, Debbie. Um, <laughs> I was just so, waiting for it. But so I fed them and they just were so happy. And do you know something? They, it softened them up and we had... We had so many men. By the time I left, I had given out five Bibles. That they they didn't want to leave. Bethany's like, Mom, please stop feeding them. You know. But, you know? but here's. And, but but we had a really honest conversation two days ago. Yeah. And and I love this, and I hope you don't mind me sharing it. But but the idea of of you didn't want to be no like you love the Lord so much, but you didn't want to be known as this crazy super Christian right. like religious wacko. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. So, so and, and here's what we talked about. The, the problem is, is not our passion. The problem is when our actions and our passion don't mix. The problem is when we say all of these things about our faith, but we, we don't live out the love of Jesus. And what people saw during this season was they saw a passion of, of loving Jesus that was expressed through constant compassion and through constant uh, care for the workers mm-hmm. and through through generosity and provision mm-hmm. and kindness mm-hmm. and so when you did wild crazy things yeah. like write the entire nativity story all over the ceiling exactly. and your walls exactly. right before they came for the yeah, Christmas right. uh, cleanup times yeah. um, and these things that they just expected this is just what happens yeah. because Debbie loves God yeah. <laughs> and 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 there was an openness to it yeah. and so over and over we can't tell all these stories but over and over, the different people who were impacted, even as you were receiving, like this is what, this is the calling of the church. Mm-hmm. The calling of the church is to proclaim God's faithfulness mm-hmm. by telling stories over and over again, mm-hmm. to recognize it where they are, but then enact God's faithfulness in the lives of those around us. Mm-hmm. We get to both proclaim it, receive it, and then we get to be people who live in such a way mm-hmm. that other people say, you know what, God was faithful because when I was at a low point in my life, John and Debbie encouraged me yeah. because when I was dealing with that, someone brought me food. They, like, people begin to see God's faithfulness yes. through us, and what a beautiful thing that we both get to receive God's faithfulness, look for it in the supernatural wild ways, and receive it in the supernatural physical ways from each other. And, and, that's, and, and it's always, if we live like that, I was speaking at a little church um, plant experiment thing last night mm-hmm. in, in uh, Port Deposit in Maryland, and, and one of the things that we ended up talking about was that one of the most radical things you can do as a Christian, and it will be forever, one of the most radical things you can do is actually give a rip about people. Mm-hmm. It's so simple, yeah. Yeah. but it, is, it will always be radical oh, in, a, yeah. in a world that is focused on our stuff and our selfishness. Oh, yeah. It will always be radical to care, just to care. Yeah. People will remember that forever. Yeah. You didn't, they were being paid. You didn't have to make yeah. fresh baked cookies. That, that will impact something forever. And John would something work eight forever. to ten hours a day. Yeah. Come home. Bethany was uh, in the midst of, you were in PT school then. No, no, you were already working. What am I thinking? Yeah, and so, um, so you know, everybody was still doing life and come home and the guys would be like, 
what do you think of it today, Mr. Taylor? What do you think today? You know, and, you know, he'd be, you know, um, still giving, giving it all, giving it all. And, and they, they just were like, um, you know, hanging on his mm. affirmation. Yeah. And um, it was just, um, it was an amazing uh, dynamic team there. And, and, and they gave, it was like you were saying, it's like where you couldn't see where the giving and taking yeah. and receiving. It was just, yeah. It was yeah. just seamless. We, li we lived in a very small area, about the size of our first apartment, for 14 months. And part of that time, Bethany was married, and Michael and Bethany, we shared the same bedroom. I mean, yeah. once, once, a week, yeah, once a week, once a week, once a week. Well, I heard that the, right at the beginning, you guys yeah. had to share a yes. room, right? Yeah. So, John, yeah. you said you had to say good, good night, <laughs> good night to your so son-in-law as tight, soon yeah. as they were married. I'm, I'm sure Michael. that was really comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> That's so Jesus being great. born into community yeah. right there. Just, like, you, you can relate to Mary and Joseph. I wish Michael could be in here, but, I mean, he's with the babies. But, you know, he, he just, it was just such a way to be forged. <laughs> we, we just had, it was just, it was just really beautiful how we I'd all like became. To, if I could share one more yep, thing about um, unfaithfulness is that this morning when I woke up and I just, you know, looked at, read through the song, Great is Thy Faithfulness, and uh, looked at the top of it that it was written because of Lamentations, Three, twenty-two, and twenty-three. Um, in the hymnal I picked up, it was written in the King James. And um, in back in two thousand, uh, we were members of a church. We got married in this church. We were youth leaders in church. We led the Bible studies in this church. But the pastor, I was the chairman of the deacons. And the pastor of this church seemed like his sole mission. His sole mission was trying to convert me to the King James Bible. It was. And, and anyway. <laughs> For, for one year, he would preach on the importance of being the King James Bible well. only and look right at me. And, and so we did this for a year. And so we left the church. We felt like we were leaving the church to go somewhere, which was very, very difficult to do. And no, it wasn't the reason we left. I didn't know why we left. But this morning, looking at God's faithfulness, I read this verse in the King James Version. It's the first time I've read anything from that version since 2000. And the way it was written just played perfectly to our situation. It was very healing to me that I didn't have to bury that completely. But it was, you know, when it says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassion never fails. His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And it was very um, healing to me this morning and showing his faithfulness in his word, whether it's the message or New American Standard, whether it's King James, you know, which I just pushed away. Um, it, it was just very healing to me this morning. Another example, another example of his faithfulness, um, which was just amazing. So I wanted to share that. That's great. And, uh, and we're actually, I think you, you suggested this, and I, I love it. So we're going to kind of end our, our time in just a minute by just singing that song together and just a cappella. Uh, and I want to leave you with this passage, too, as just one reminder that what we're, the stories that we're telling are consistent throughout the whole scriptures with the Spirit of God. And so Paul writes in, in chapter 4 um, about, about being given when he was in need. The, the church has sent some gifts. And he says, you know, I've received full payment and I have more than enough. Um, he says, stop, you don't, need to, you don't need to help me out anymore. He said, I'm amply supplied now that I've received the gift sent to you. But, but here's what he says. They're a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. 
to our God and Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. What needs to be in like a giant parenthesis there is, I am writing this from a prison cell. So Paul's in prison, and he's saying, hey, God, God will meet your needs. He's met mine. We, we don't look at houses burning down and getting rebuilt as that's the promise of God. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful expression of God's mm-hmm. ongoing work with us in restoring broken things. Right. But that's not the whole story, right? The whole story is, is in the midst of it burning down, mm-hmm. saying God is enough. Good things, amazing things can happen as a result of this. Lives can be changed, not only yours, mm-hmm. but the lives that you had an opportunity to love because God spoke so clearly that challenge mm-hmm. to display, display mm-hmm. my character. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so, so we are reminded of that, that God's faithfulness is not just making our lives good. Mm-hmm. It's that the goodness of life is way beyond any of our circumstances. Our joy is not dependent on our circumstances. And there's such beauty in knowing that and then being able to celebrate those moments and see that everything that happens, God is at work in and, and can bring good about. So 